1: free shipping on your first box and free dessert for life at homechef.com slash locked on. That's homechef.com slash locked on for 18 free meals and free dessert for life. Homechef.com slash locked on must be an active subscriber to receive
0: free dessert. Today's episode of locked on reds is brought to you by RockAuto.com. Amazing selection, reliably low prices, all the parts your car will ever need. That's rockauto.com. You are Locked On Reds, your daily Cincinnati Reds podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome into your daily source for the Cincinnati Reds throughout the offseason. This is the Locked On Reds podcast, and I'm your host, Jeff Carr. Jeff Carr. Here we go. What's up, everyone, and welcome into the Lockdown Reds podcast. Thank you so much for joining me today. Before we jump into the chat between me and Stephen Offenbaker, looking at some good old Reds talk, there's just something that I wanted to address first. Look, I, I host a baseball podcast in which we talk about the Cincinnati Reds, best baseball team ever, and don't really get much heavier in terms of content than that. I'm not trying to present myself as a rhetorician who can move even a couple of people to change their thought process, but I wanted to use this platform for just a second to share my mind on what has transpired over the last week. What has happened to George Floyd has happened to too many people of color. Whether it says overt as police brutality or through other subtly perceived means, people are still treated based on the color of their skin in the United States and all over this world. That must stop now. Black lives matter. Some of you may be thinking, all lives matter. And that is absolutely true, but the reason organizations such as Black Lives Matter exist to bring awareness to systemic racism is because many people, who may not mean any belligerence or harm, in fact marginalize and dismiss people of color while those who would push racist agendas are allowed to do so unfettered. Locked On Reds and the Locked On Podcast Network are committed to supporting all efforts, to eradicate racial inequality, and strive to promote a society in which everyone is treated with respect and fairness, regardless of the color of their skin. Please join me, join us, join all of us here at the Lockdown Podcast Network in donating to a cause to get racism out of our society locked on podcast network is creating a fund and I'll have more information on that as it happens to donate to these organizations that work to end racism in our country and just in our everyday lives and join me in treating each and every individual you come in contact with the way you yourself would want to be treated regardless of the color of their skin or their religion or their political affiliation, all of that. Because if we do that, this world will be a much, much better place. Thank you. Alrighty, for today's Lockdown Reds, we have back with us again for another go around. He just really enjoys abuse and all that. I'm just kidding. We don't abuse him. At least I don't think. I don't know. I guess that's up to him. Back with us today, Stephen Offenbaker. Steve, how's it going? Aloha. I uh, don't feel abused.
2: Uh, if anything, uh, you crack me up.
0: But <laughs> well, I I tell you, I just say the darndest things sometimes, and I think I fall under that kids category. I don't know. I I know I'm like there's a three in front of my age, but uh, I don't know that mentally I'm anywhere near that. <laughs> So uh yeah, let's uh let's look at some evaluations. I we we've been looking all over the diamond for the Reds, evaluating last season and how they've fared and how we hope that they will fare in 2020 and you know, what the impact will be to the overall success of the team. And we've come to shortstop, a position that I believe there is a consensus that yeah, we could have done better. We we The Reds looked to upgrade it. Reportedly were trying to make a trade for one Francisco Lindor. They were rumored to be all over the place with Corey Seager and Trevor Story. Different things like that. We all know what we think of Freddie Galvis. We think, yeah, he's a serviceable dude. But are we really going to go all year with this dude as the shortstop? You know... I don't know that that was.
2: I don't know how much validity there was to the effort they put in the offseason of bringing in somebody else. I think the, the Seeger talks were really more about Lindor and the Dodgers than it really was about the Reds really being after Seeger. Uh, you know, he would have been a consolation prize that made the deal work for the Dodgers. So, you know, on one hand, you know, I'm glad that maybe that didn't work out because Lindor in that LA lineup, <laughs> that, that was, ooh, I wouldn't want to face that team. Um, so for me, you know, Galvis, you know, he's he, like, he's the everyday average, average shortstop. I mean, there's nothing particularly special about him. His, You know, 2019 numbers, you know, OPS Plus puts him at 92, so slightly below average. A year before that, you know, he played all 162 games uh, in San Diego, and... You know, OPS plus of 88. Year before that, he played all 162 games in Philadelphia. OPS plus of 81. So, you know, he's never been he's never been a world beater. I mean, you know, he did put up a couple 20 home run seasons in uh, 2016 and 2019. But, you know, he just looks like a backup to me. And to put him on a roster where he's not only going to be the starting shortstop, but he's the only shortstop really just confuses me a little bit. So there's something else to this puzzle that we're not privy to. Either they think that Jose Garcia is farther along than some of the rest of us do, or there was some other deal simmering out there that they were hoping to complete sometime during spring training. I don't know what the answer is, but it just doesn't seem likely that they were willing to go into the season with one shortstop that was below average and then counting on Gino to be your backup guy uh in a pinch I just it doesn't make sense to me with all of the other positive moves they made this offseason
0: I think that when you look at Galvis and the fielding metric that was devised or at least released to the public over this past off season of outs above average that says that value wise he was the same as Jose Iglesias there's Plenty of people that will dispute the defensive capabilities between the two of those guys. But I think really you look at Galvis versus Iglesias, and where Iglesias, you have a bit more proficiency with the glove, Galvis, you have a tiny bit more proficiency with the bat. It's not like really a big margin there. But kind of like you said, the fact that there is no backup when you look at the depth chart. Probably the guy that the Reds consider the number one backup at shortstop is Kyle Farmer. And, and that's all well and nice that he's got the ability to play shortstop as well as catcher, as well as outfield, as well as infield. But are we really saying that he's the number one backup? When you've got, like you mentioned, Jose is coming up. There's even, even though he's a very light-hitting guy, maybe Alfredo Rodriguez in AAA or... I. It, it was something that I thought we'd see them make a move on during spring training, and there was never any rumble that they were going to go out and get a backup shortstop.
2: No, and you know, a matter of fact, Dick Williams said on uh, McAllister's show uh, just prior to the beginning of spring training that, in his mind, Eugenio Suarez was going to be the primary backup at shortstop, oh, uh, and this was this was when. Uh, The speculation was swirling, you know, could Senzel come back in and play there? Uh, You know, Williams went on to answer that, no, they see him as an outfielder, maybe sometime at second base, and that uh, they think that uh, Gino could play over there, even if it was, you know, 50, 60 games. And I I, I thought that was very telling, that, that that's the direction they were looking when you know Gino's probably not a primary shortstop anymore either so I really do think there was another piece of this puzzle and we will never really know the truth
0: hopefully we get to find out but uh, the interesting part about Suarez being considered the backup shortstop which means that if he's playing shortstop you're Sliding Mustakis over to third, hopefully sliding Senzel to second, and then you move in an outfielder who needs to get some more playing time because they have plenty of outfielders to do that. But if you're willing to put Mustakis at second base, that says that the Reds really don't put that big a premium on the glove. I mean and obviously they you know they would have brought back Jose Iglesias if they were putting a huge premium on a glove and different things like that. But with that being said, I mean, you can make an optimal lineup in which you don't have Freddie Galvis in it. And I think it's strange that we were still talking about him being the number one option and the fact that, I mean, it's something that we've glossed over, although I think he's probably healthy now, but he was dealing with a lot of little nagging injury things during spring training. And it was multiple things. It wasn't just like, oh, they're all in his throwing arm or they're all in his leg or something like that, it was like a little bit of an ankle, a little bit of a shoulder, a little bit of a wrist. You're like, dude, it's February. Like this is stuff you hear about in August. I I think that the Reds were presenting some sort of public plan. And then throughout the season, we were going to see something. And maybe we still will, depending on how long of a season we get, but they were going to present something that nobody saw coming. I mean, does that seem off base?
2: You know, I'm not sure what the answer was. I mean, something you just hit on with the how important is the glove. I think that the days of needing a gold glove caliber shortstop have, you know, it's changed, you know before you needed a Barry Larkin or an Ozzy Smith or somebody that, you know, could just play lights out defense at shortstop. But now with the shifts and the way everybody's moving around the diamond, I think they've really limited the impact of of, you know, hanging somebody out there at shortstop. I don't I don't think that you need somebody that can can turn the backflips and still make the double play. I mean, you know, it's great to have, don't get me wrong, but I don't think that it's uh, necessarily a requirement at this point because of some of the other things they're doing. You know, the more we saw Garcia in spring training, uh, you know, maybe they have identified that, that he was a little bit closer to ready for prime time than we knew. And, you know, we started to see it. I mean, he was definitely showing flashes of being ready to play. And I thought maybe he was a season away, but uh, maybe they know something we don't know. Uh, maybe, maybe they thought he was ready. Um, but I, I agree with you also. There, there must have been some other conversations going on, uh, even if it wasn't going to be quite ready for opening day. Uh, they, they had to have been working on something else because you can't go through an entire season with Galvis, who was nicked up last year and nicked up at the beginning of this year. Uh, and then look to either Suarez or Farmer to suddenly be starting uh, you know, every day at shortstop. That, that's just not going to get it done. Uh, I think Gino could play over there on a limited basis and not be exposed, uh, just for the reasons I said with the shifts. But you know, Kyle Farmer can play shortstop. That doesn't necessarily mean he should play shortstop. And I think in limited doses, you know, he's a great option to have, especially, you know, if you need to make an in game substitution or, uh, you know, juggle things up a little bit, but to count on him to be out there five or six days a week, I don't think that's a smart move at all.
0: That gives me a thought on some reds who maybe have been frustrated by the postponement of the season. The fact that spring training just kind of got dropped on them. Also, Going to uh, approach some topics just looking at how Major League Baseball is now perceived by the way that they've handled all of this here in just a minute. But before I get into all of that, when's the last time you had to do some work on your car? Did you go to AutoZone or O'Reilly or, you know, whatever kind of auto parts store you got around you and you found the right part? but it was just a ton of money. Have you ever considered checking out rockauto.com? They've got all the parts that your car is ever going to need, and they've got them at great prices too. It's super easy to go through their self-service portal because they break it all down by the exact car that you have. They ask you make, model, year, the uh, option spec that you got on it, all that good stuff, and then they provide you their... Contingent of parts to purchase from rockauto.com is so easy to go there and find the parts that you need for the price that you want to pay. And when you go there, write locked on in their how did you hear about us box so that they know that I sent you here from the Locked On Reds podcast. That's rockauto.com for all the parts your car will ever need. Also, head over to builtbar.com for a snack. They've got the best tasting protein bar on the market. Seriously, guys, it tastes like a candy bar. I've now tried the pineapple upside down cake flavor. Very, very delicious. I don't I think coconut chocolate's still up there at the top for me. It's a big deal that Built Bar has a facility that produces protein bars without, you know, touching any sort of machines that have handled peanuts or tree nuts or almonds or something like that because allergens can transfer through all that good stuff built bar has thought of that they've made it healthy because built bar has half the calories of a cliff bar seven times less the carbs and seven times less the sugar easy for me to say right then a cliff bar reach for built bar next time you need a good tasting and healthy snack they've got so many great Flavor varieties and very tasty too. That's builtbar.com and enter the promo code locked on for ten dollars off your first order of a protein bar that tastes like a candy bar. Garcia's probably one of the dudes who has been, I wouldn't say hurt, but at least frustrated by the indefinite postponement that we've been going through with spring training and just an abrupt end to any sort of baseball activity other than what he can do in his own backyard who else can you think of because i mean i think of him alfredo rodriguez was also one because as doug has said many times alfredo rodriguez there's no problem with his glove he can field it's just his slugging percentage is basically his batting average he just doesn't hit anything but singles And he was showing a little bit of pop, showing a little bit of finesse and good stuff at the plate. I was trying to think of fancy words other than good stuff. But, yeah, good stuff at the plate during spring training. Can you think of anyone else, even on the pitching side, that when it comes to the postponement of baseball has been frustrated because their good spring has just vanished? Well, I don't know if
2: it, I can necessarily pigeonhole it into good spring, but I'll tell you who I'm really concerned about with this prolonged stoppage, and that's Tyler Stevenson. Last season, he was just really starting to put it together and really starting to look like he might be what we've been hoping to see from him. And, you know, by now, he should already have, you know, two months of, of AAA under his belt to see if we can continue to develop that talent. And, you know, I'm fearful that the prolonged absence, I mean, you can take a lot of, of batting practice, but that's just not the same as, as facing a pitcher in-game. Right. And he's gone a long time now without facing a pitcher in-game. And, uh, you know, I really hope that this doesn't unravel the progress he made at A last year.
0: That's what's going to be interesting if we can get some baseball going is to see – if any of these guys who have not yet made their major league debuts get substantial amount of playing time because you got to believe that their first couple of appearances and tastes of major league baseball if they are to come up this season Will be a shock to the system because this restarted spring training, what you know, what we've all read about is that it it looks like it's just mostly going to be intra squad workouts. If there's any sort of exhibition games, they're gonna be intra squad games. So you're not basing the level of opponents even in a spring training game so much as you would be getting ready if it were a normal spring training. Then you add in the fact there is not going to be any minor league baseball this season. Like they haven't come out and officially announced that, but everybody knows it's not going to happen. So he's not going to have any way of getting ready for in-game action other than what's going on on the backfield, what's going on in the batting cages. And I wonder if that means we'll even see Tyler Stevenson this season. Probably not going to be till next year.
2: Probably not. You know they've talked about this whole taxi squad thing and keeping some of the guys around, uh, and who knows what the final product is going to look like if there's a final product. I know the the players are supposed to be ro- voting on a new proposal in the next 24 hours, but I just can't see I can't see taking a guy that was just barely starting to figure it out at double A and putting him out there against you know some of the best. Pitchers in baseball. I, right. I, I just, I don't know how that the, I don't know how there's a positive outcome to that. It just sounds like it's a ready made confidence breaker to me. Um, yeah, I to agree with e- you. Expect a guy to, to succeed in that kind of role because not only would you be putting him out there against a caliber of pitcher he hasn't faced but you'd be doing it on a very limited basis. So it's not like you can go out there and take your hacks and hopefully get better. You know, you go out there, get your doors blown off, be embarrassed and then you don't see the guy again for 3 or 4 days. So I just I don't think that's good for any of these young guys that are trying to really, you know, hone their craft.
0: I definitely think the taxi squad has a specific group of players that it benefits. It benefits the guys like Christian Colon or the relievers who were on the fringe like Tyler Thornburg and, uh, Nate Jones and stuff like that. Like we were wondering if they were going to make the roster. And now all of a sudden, if they don't make the like active, active roster, which they probably will with a 30 man active roster. They're definitely going to be on the taxi squad. And, and uh, when it comes to like Cologne and even Aristides Aquino, guys who have had that major league experience already, prospects like Stevenson and Garcia, they'll probably be included on the taxi squad if, if, if they are, or Lodolo. But I don't know that uh, outside of just being decimated by injuries or illness or what have you, that it would be good to see them on the field this year. I don't think – I am with you. I think that it would serve more as a test of confidence and a possible breaking of that confidence more so than it would any amount of actual baseball development.
2: Well, you know, and the other part of it too is, you know, everybody's favorite topic of service time. A lot of it yeah. will depend on what the ramifications of having uh, one of those guys, you know, on the big league roster – start their clock you know do you really want to start Lodolo's clock? do you really want to start Tyler Stevenson's clock uh, in this crazy, whatever 2020 is going to be i mean i don't think i do from a from a team from a long from the long term success perspective for the team i don't think i want to start anybody else's clock unless i absolutely have to i mean i'll make do with people that have already made their debuts and already have the clock running even if that means going and picking up a couple guys off the street just to preserve not activating the minor leaguers and you know running out of year of eligibility when we don't have to
0: it'll be interesting to see how that all plays out. I know that there's constantly updates and new ideas and new proposals and and now there's a threat that oh there was a clause in March that the commissioner can just say boom, here's a 50 game season go have go crazy, you know. I, I we'll see how it all plays out. I I know that me and you have both voiced our opinions on how it has already played out and how the baseball has already missed its opportunity, especially when you've got the likes. I mean, I saw something that said that NBA's Board of Governors and all that different stuff are going to meet on Thursday, and they're expected to uh, approve their proposal the, for return yeah, to the
2: Yeah, the NBA is going to be a done deal. The Board of Governors has already said they're going to approve whatever plan that the Players Association and the commissioner walk in the door with. So those, those two uh, – Those two groups are going to walk into a door with an agreed-upon plan, and the Board of Governors are going to approve it. It looks like MLS is going to ratify a deal either today or tomorrow to avoid a lockout and and set up beginning to play. Uh, The National Hockey League has already determined they're probably going to come back with just a straight playoff format Uh, when they do their restart. So baseball has succeeded in doing the one thing that they couldn't and shouldn't have done, which is miss the window of being the only game in town and maybe rebuilding some goodwill within this sport and maybe reaching some kids that might not necessarily pay attention to baseball in any other circumstance. They screwed the pooch. They didn't get it done. And they're going to be irrelevant. And they deserve to
0: be. This is assuming, and this is definitely not a clear easy assumption although there's some folks that i've talked to about this that still believe that a season will happen but assuming for a second that a season does happen we're still talking about a sport that has lost out its popularity to the nba right we're looking at a country that loves the nfl and the nba more than it loves major league baseball now
2: that's absolutely right they're (sighs) You know, baseball wants to cling to that America's pastime moniker, but they haven't been America's pastime for a decade
0: no, or more.
2: Gone. That's yeah. gone. They, they, they blew it. And they put a person in charge now that doesn't like the sport either. So, I mean, you know, this is what you get when you do things like that. And, you know, the, the commissioners, what I'm really tired of the most in all these negotiations is Rob Manfred negotiating in the press. And yes, trying to manipulate the players via the press and public pressure and this latest leak of, well, we have this clause and we can just institute a 50 game season. You know, basically that's trying to force the players to agree to a longer season with a greater reduction in pay, because if they force the 50 game season, the players will get the prorated pay. But at a 50 game level, which still puts the owners where they want to be. Uh, you know, at the end of all this, a 50 game season is a joke. I mean, that's spring training, yeah. you know, that's, that's, that's spring training. That's not a season. That's not anything meaningful or anything real. And the, the real kicker here is that whatever the baseball owners do, if they put together any kind of season at all that involves postseason play, they are guaranteed a 700 million to $1 billion payday at the end of the season with the uh, TV rights for the playoffs. So it it, for, you know, Ricketts was out there crying poor today for the Chicago Cubs and how he the losses are of biblical proportions. That was the (laughs) quote today from Ricketts in Chicago. If that's really true, then he needs to sell the damn team. He shouldn't (laughs) be an owner. Yeah, it's uh, I mean, if if that's true, get out. I mean, if it just it just makes no sense. Sorry, I get worked up. I just I'm really tired of the owners controlling the narrative and people buying it. And with just a little bit of effort to dig past the surface, you can just see how hypocritical and basically full of crap these guys are.
0: Oh, it's easy to see that. And when he was saying a couple of weeks ago that the Cubs revenue is 70% based on gate sales and concessions and parking, then I was like, yeah, bull crap. And then you turn around and you hear people, oh, losses of biblical proportions. It's like, Huh, boo-hoo, how many billions is your team worth? Like, I mean, if you take a little bit of a hit, you're still going to be worth quite a few mi- I don't know. Uh, it, it's easy for us to sit here and say that, but at the same token, it's just annoying to see the posturing and the the backhandedness that everything has been from the owner's side of things. And look, I get it. The players are no angels too. But at the same token, their ability to earn money is a much smaller window. These owners have an unlimited window for money, earnings, stuff. And I worded that perfectly. But when it comes to players, they got to get what they can get right now. Guys like Joey Votto, guys like – and that's like people like to hit, like, oh, poor Mike Trout and poor Garrett Cole, they won't get all their money. It's like, dude, they've earned it. Uh, they've got to the point in their career where they finally are getting paid what they should get paid – and the owners have found this loophole this amazing gift to try and cut that back and it's it's just annoying i i really hope that they'll figure something out but when we look at the other sports i mean NBA, having a season, NFL's not going to be affected. I really don't believe there's going to be any effect to the NFL whatsoever. There's, they might have some less ticket sales and stuff like that, but overall they're still going to play their full schedule. NHL has come up with an amazingly creative idea for how to come out of this pandemic and how to get everybody back watching hockey. Like, I'm fired up to watch some hockey. I just want my baseball back. Just give me something, man.
2: I I... I feel like maybe there's a little bit of glimmer of hope. You know, last time we talked, you were the one that was still a little bit uh, optimistic. That was on that was when you were on my show last. Right. And I was squarely in the camp of there's not going to be a baseball season. Uh, in the next week, if they can continue to negotiate, maybe get it out of the media and just actually negotiate, I think they could still salvage maybe an 80-game season uh, starting mid-July. And mm-hmm. and that would be okay. Uh, I could live with that. But anything less than eighty games is not a season. It's you know, might as well just have all the teams play a, a, a tournament, yeah, and, and and call it a day. Because fifty games, I mean, players are just hitting their strides at fifty games. The the pitchers are just getting good and loose. So I just I can't I can't fathom that they're going to continue to screw this up. But they will. So it's you know. I went from there's not going to be a season. I think it sits at 50-50 now.
0: I agree with you. And that's one thing, too, that I've really appreciated when – looking for news and stuff like that about Major League Baseball. Jeff Passan has been absolutely amazing about it. But one dude for The Athletic, he's been super candid about it. He's not pulling any punches, and that's Mark Carrick. Mark Carrick is going to tell you exactly what he thinks, and whether or not you agree with him, that's, that's, that's up to you, whether you read it and you agree or disagree. But he's given it to you candidly, and he's been talking about how much of a botched job this whole deal has been. Definitely worth a read, especially if you don't subscribe to Athletic. You should totally do that as well. I'll give them free press all day. Anyway, Steve, thank you so much, sir, and we'll look forward to talking to you again soon. All right, talk to you soon. Aloha. That'll do it for today's episode of the On Reds Podcast. Always enjoy talking with Steve on tomorrow's episode. Well, on the next episode which should be released tomorrow, but on the next episode of the Locked On Reds podcast, we're going to have Jeff Ellis, MLB draft expert, to talk about how the Reds are going to approach this year's draft, a much different draft than in years past, especially not not just because of the shortened nature, but also the truncated scouting season with college baseball and high school baseball. Really not Happening too much. So, we're going to get into all of that and his thoughts on the shortened draft as well. That's going to be on the next episode of the Locked On Reds podcast. You're not going to want to miss it. The best way to not miss it is to subscribe on whatever platform you're currently listening to. Also, follow me on Twitter at Jeff Carr with three F's and follow the show at Locked On Reds on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram. Save the Locked On Reds line number into your at 513 549 0159. Until then, we'll talk to you. Make sure you tell your smart device to play Locked On Fantasy Baseball. We'll talk to you again soon. Hey, Prime members. You can listen to this Locked On podcast ad-free on Amazon Music.